you know what it is. It's an audio disclaimer. I do not own the rights to any of the music that will be played in this here episode of the podcast. No copyright infringement intended. If you don't like it, just dislike it. Uh, Yeah, this is episode 74 of the Isolate Thoughts podcast. Stro Elliott, the king of funk. Black and loud, James Brown. This is how we going down. Look at ya. Some people say we got a lot of malice. Some say it's a lot of love. I say we won't quit moving until we get what we deserve. We've been built and we've been scarred. We've been treated bad, talked about, as sure as you moan. Just as sure as it takes two eyes to make a pair. <laughs> Brother, we can't quit until we get our share. Say it now. Say it now. One more time. Say it now. Every time I see a song from UMG, Universal, man, they gave me my first strike, and I'm pretty sure they called in the missiles <laughs> to get the the podcast, you know, strung up and bung up like it did. But either way, be back in here, be. My name is Langston Mayo, and welcome to episode 74 of the Isolate Dots podcast. We're going to have a blast. If you look up, you're going to see an X-Files theme that we'll insert here. Uh, this podcast, you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. You can follow us on socials, Instagram, Isolate Thoughts Pod, so, uh, Twitter, Isolate, Iso Thoughts Pod, and so, you know, the person's L.O. Cinco, and Patreon. You're going to hear it today, Early Birdie Wordy. Um, you know what? Something special is gonna happen today, though. I was gonna make an individual review for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nah, we, yeah, we, y'all folks, y'all gonna get a pretty in-depth review today, and it's gonna be inside the way how I give reviews that are again just the isolated thought review that on Patreon. That if you you know again for a little of a dollar a month, you can hop in and get in. All the way up to twenty, even get you some, you know, get you all the goods and all the things. Um, go isolatethoughtspodcast.com, get you a hoodie or something, get you a t-shirt, make it hurt, make it work. Hope everyone's doing okay out there on this Friday the eighteenth. Uh, yeah, man, we're gonna get, <laughs> we got we got a couple things on the agenda this time around. Uh, Super Bowl happened. Super Bowl was cool. Uh, halftime show was really dope. Uh, 
the, I want the Bengals to win. I mentioned last week just because I kind of like the energy they had, the young guns. But I think, you know, it's cool for L.A. to win at home. Even though I don't feel like Los Angeles deserves a football team. It just – they don't give off football. To, like, they're Oakland Raiders. Like, if the Raiders to win in Las Vegas, I feel like L.A. would have been more happy than the Rams winning. So, I don't think L.A. deserves either the Chargers or the Rams. They don't really – feel like either they're they're really only Rams fans because the Rams are in LA and were originally from LA. That's really it. It's really like they're St. Louis team. Uh, Halftime show. Again, it's like I said, bittersweet. I mentioned last week the idea of you don't really get a true concert. So it's like snippets of songs. However, Snoop Dogg hitting the hit puff puff pass before Crip walking in front of hundreds of millions of people, which is amazing. Dr. Dre brought up the Aftermath crew. We would have had the whole lineage if the game wasn't a bridge burner. I just feel so. I don't know why. They, I don't know what what the game. Maybe there's some like traumatic things that need to be worked through. But it seems like a lot of self-sabotage. Because, yeah, for Anderson, like, to even be there playing drums and shit, like, clearly... It was an aftermath, like, hey, this is Dre, this is L.A., but, and, and they had to throw, I think they just threw Mary J. in there because they couldn't have all, like, so many black men up there. I feel like they needed, like, some feminine, I'm not saying, like, in a bad way, but more so for advertising purposes. I don't know. I just feel like, getting, what did Mary J. have to do with, <laughs> with the L.A., West Coast? I mean, again, Eminem and 50 Cent are not West Coast. However, they are direct lineage of Dr. Dre and Aftermath. Uh, Kendrick Lamar probably was the best performer. And it was good to see him. Hopefully we get some new music soon. Allegedly, he has a show in Italy for the first time in a long time. And on the flyers said he'll be performing new music. That's in June. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, The Weird Beard took a knee. That was cool. Cool, I guess. Uh, I like those threes he got. Those threes was definitely hard with the Eminem logo and then the Slim Shady name tag on the hill uh, hill tab was hard. Uh, yeah, it was cool, man. Hope Odell didn't really tear his ACL again, but if he did, man, at least he won. At least he won. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. About Super Bowl commercials, I I already seen the Zendaya, oh, Zendaya. Uh, commercial with Andre. Yeah, I, I certainly already seen that, so I wasn't too like, oh man, this is amazing. Uh, but it was cool for that, and then I like the weird like animatronic one that had like the you know like Pizza Time Chuck E. Cheese esque animatronics and then they all were like an oculus like it was so stupid because you know y'all know how i feel about the metaverse but i thought it was just like it was funny but that's super bowl you know still the fraud league hopefully it's brian flores thing continues to have steam and yeah that's uh that's that we don't most time gonna be spent talking about this music and talking about what the profit watching so let's not hold back and let's get to it, Jack. Okay. Music. Do you remember Sean? 
Do you remember Gucci Gucci, Louis Louis, Fendi Fendi Prada, basic B words? I don't even bother. Well, I do too. And she has OnlyFans, and I only bring this up because I think it's interesting. Like I just think I like it's like damn, bro. Like, and I mean that in the most respectful way possible. That it's like when in doubt, do that. But I remember a couple years ago seeing something about her not making money off that song, like something about the label or something she was signed to like got rights to the masters I don't know something happened so I can imagine like as a you know one hit wonder that your hit you don't even eat off of is tough so I think she DJs or something now too but I just came across her profile and it was like oh these are kind of revealing pictures is this like the same crazy Sean and yeah and uh, not our OnlyFans. Like, I don't subscribe to OnlyFans. <laughs> but, uh, not that that would be the issue either. I'm just saying. I, it was just, like, social media. And, yeah, so, I mean, shout out to Cray Sean. Hustling. DJing. Supposed to DJ at festival. I just, I just thought that was interesting. Because, uh, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I didn't talk about Diet Coke with Pusha T. A new single came out about two weeks ago now. Like it. Fireball, 88 Keys, and Kanye produced mostly 88 Keys with like some Kanye touch up. Um, and Mike Dean mixing, of course. Yes, I, I look forward to whenever Pusha decides to press the button and give us a project that's supposed to be most like half Kanye, half Neptune. So that's Push. We, we await the arrival. There's really much, nothing else. Nothing much else to say. Jesus. Just like genius. Foreshadowing. And then Sada Baby. Barrier Bounty 3. I look forward to that. I didn't know that was coming. Uh, so, yeah, look forward to that. But what I did spend time with. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> Big Crit. The Big Critter. Justin Scott. The goat. The goat that's not Mr. West. <sighs> Digital Roses Don't Die. Newest EP, because it's only 38 minutes long, by the Mississippi Third Coast representative, is a very interesting output by the man with the plan. I pre-ordered it the moment I could get the pre-order. I pre-ordered it pretty late because I couldn't find a pre-order until about two, three days ago. But, again, when it comes to people I, I love and support, when it comes to their art, I buy it on the motherfucking iTunes, and then I stream it on a streaming platform so they can get the double of the trouble because I want them to eat and be great. Uh, okay. As you can hear in my voice, I don't know how I feel about this album. Because I feel as though it's a response to Crit was or Crit Crit is here from 2019. 
And while Crit is here to me, very undoubtedly was an attempt at making more like hit records or like trying to like get something that catches um, while keeping his integrity, of course. This is like, okay, I'm just going to do my thing. Or like not do my thing as much as I'm going to do something so, you know, if you can see my shoulders, I don't, I don't know, like how do you like it's something not trying to make like super hit worthy or whatever, but it's just so weird because it doesn't sound like it sounds like crit in the sense of like it's singing soulful, silky smooth. It just like the writing doesn't really stand out to me. Um, the delivery and some of it's just like. Uh, but the highlights just highlights. So like, it's still crit. Like he, this isn't a dud. Because if you think I'm going to not go back and give time to this. You're smoking a doozy. So it starts off with the fire interlude. Uh, which is there's earth. There's fire, water, wind. Yeah, fire. Oh, fire. Fire, earth. Water, wind, so earth, wind, and fire, but starting from fire. It's an interlude that's, you know, whatever. Um, didn't really do it for me. South Side of the Moon, which was the second single that he released that I enjoyed. Uh, it, it doesn't, it's not a standout track, but in within the album, I like it, and it's cool. So we also start, show you right. It was like, huh, okay. That was the first, like, huh. Because they already started off a little, like, under underwhelming. It felt like there was no proper packaging. Like, the interludes, I'll say, are, are some of the worst parts of the album. Because they're so, like, on the nose. Like, this is fire. Like, I'm not trying, like, I mean this with all the respect in the world. Because I genuinely love, like, Big Crit, when I say he's the GOAT for me, that's not Kanye. I mean that with all in the world, bro. Like, it's... His music, his music has kept me alive, bro. Like it's we we talking all the respect in the world, but these interludes just aren't hitting. They're not. They're they. It's just so weird. It's just so weird because I've never heard him. Yeah, like I don't know. It seems like a, a demo. And then so fire is that, and then. You, you get roll clean, roll clean. Okay, we like all right. We 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 bouncing, we vibing, and I promise you, it's not about like it being like a trappy or it needs more boom, like needs more bass. I mean, it always helps when Chris is doing that, but no, it, it it's cool. Like it, like I, I'm all right with all the different sounds. Then that's it for fire. Then we get Earth interlude again. Every interlude, I'm not gonna talk about them separately because. They're all just like, this is earth. The earth that you do. When like, uh, I would, I want to think about interludes similar to this. I think about Tetsio and Youth with Lupe Fiasco. And I think about those winter, summer, fall, spring interludes that were just sounds that made you feel like summer, spring, in the fall, like the winter was like scary, like it was like an eerie, like it felt cold. That I'm not saying he didn't have to use like his voice at some point, but 
it was teeter-tottering between like trying to create a sound and then like this is earth like i think you could have done it without being like on the nose uh, so then we do come out to play which i think it'll grow on me because i like what it was doing with it but again it wasn't as like sexy as i wanted as i believe it was intended to be it, it was a bit it was a bit like the interlude bit on the corny side but because it it was weird like there's no there's no really like there's no verse it's just kind of again it's supposed to be like a little you know a little little pokey okey you know time I know what's going for, but it didn't hit me the way that like the following song, uh, what's that? Just for you was so just for you picks it back up. So cool. The lead single, um, I wasn't you know too crazy about it when I played it for y'all, but it was cool. It was cool. And then water, and the little loop. <laughs> then this song boring. No, no. <laughs> The irony in that boring. I like it though because it's, it's a song about him, like talking about like talking to this girl. Like I'm boring, but you love me for it. Like I don't do all the pomp and circumstance shit. I don't go out and do all these different things, but you love me for that. And I like that. I like the the messaging and the delivery of the song. It's it's a little bit on the cheesy side, but I still like it. Would it matter? Another a song that which if you ask me i think it'll be more fitting for earth like you think about like these like earthly things like i but who who knows i, I have to un he did a live stream but i didn't want to hear it via the live stream i want to listen to it on my own so i'm about to go back and watch it and have him like maybe break down the tracks and shit so i can understand his thought process more uh, but would it matter kind of sounds like the title like he just starts kind of giving these hypotheticals like would it matter if i you know, work not like you know, simple shit. Um, generational weight down, you know, instead of generational weight, like it's about like, um, not generational like curses, but um, I only listened to this track one time, so I don't have the biggest in depth, but I I got it, I got it. And they have wind. The last interlude, thank goodness. Then to, it's over now. I like it. it. It's cool. I like it. And then you have wet lashes and shot glasses, um, featuring Rosalind. Uh, it's I, I like it a lot. I, I, I like it. Um, it's it's a good one. And then the best track on the project, at least through first like full intentional listen. Is all the time. He previewed this one on Instagram Live a couple weeks ago. Man, man, that's that's the one. That's the one. I, like I, I ended like I stopped it about a minute in and started it back over because I'm like, yes, yes. Where was this at? And the second to last track. The last track is more than roses, and more than roses is forgettable. It's not a bad track. It's just like you knew it was the end. So in those 38 minutes and 17 tracks, I was highly disappointed. And, and crit, but I wasn't disappointed in that's bad because I know crit, I know his body, I know his work, I know what he does, and I just feel as though that I don't know what he was going for, and or I feel like I can track it, 
but just doesn't. I, I knew my concerns were real when I seen that it was an all non-explicit album minus um, So Cool. Yeah, So Cool is the only explicit track. And again, listen, listen. I Cussing is not necessary. It's not needed. But you can cuss and make it like make like make it make sense. Like you don't have to be extra vulgar, especially someone like Crit who's cussed for his entire career and made it only be cool and only add value to songs and not it'd be like where you could have gone without saying the B word fifteen times in just the first verse. But when I feel like you you tear on editing yourself and like making it censored and. I have no initial thought outside of I don't I feel bad for Crit because I feel like he put out so much classic material it's you can only really do Crit is here and Digital Roses don't die at this point in your career unless you really step away from music for a good while that he would, he would have to become a father. He would like something like, you know, large in his life would have to happen for him to have like a very, very new perspective that, he, you know, he doesn't already have because he told so much real stories of his own or other people around him and authentic, his authentic voice. He put out so much classic material that no one fucking pays attention to. That's the reason why, again, I've talked about this. I'm not here to bash on, like, the people like Wale. Like, Wale, you're, you may not get the credit that you feel like you deserve, and even rightfully so. Like, he could be much bigger. He really probably should be. He may not. I, I haven't always cared for his music the same way I have for a Kendrick or a Cole, but the Kendrick Cole Drake. He should be up there along with, I mean, because even Big Sean is probably bigger than Wale. And he's all in that same class. So I get it. But Big Crit Highway fucking robbery. When you think about Crit is here or Crit was here. Was his like farewell to like, if this don't work, at least I put on my best body of work and I've done it. And it is what it is. Because again, he has the Simeon Top series up to Simeon Top Volume 3. And then all the other like little Lucy singles like. He had been putting in work long before 2010, at least since 2004, 2005, like really trying to put out music. So you do that shit for about four or five, almost six years. He almost kind of like pack it up. Like, really, yeah, go get a job, my nigga. And luckily, Crit was here is the you know legacy cementer that it was. And we get Return of Forever. We get Forever in the Day. We get... um live from underground the debut project then we get um king remembering time then we get catalactica the classic we get um it's better this way then we get forever's a mighty long time like that run of 2010 to 20 bro that's insane 2010 to about 2017, he gave us almost a project every like every year and a half, and they were 
they're classics. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, you know, I, I might be losing using it a bit loosely, but he easily has a, a classic catalog of music that no one else made. No one else sounds like that. It's influenced by the you know the Scarfaces and the um, the UGK Eight Balls. Like you know the influences. He's rap with most of them, but. I just it's 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 a damn shame because I feel like it's gonna take Crips like being done with music for like for people to be like oh man like to go back and visit shit while I think this is all you know what as I say all this shit I think this album the idea of digital roses don't die is his like like this is like his way of like I know like he knows his career trajectory I think he knows that and I think this is like one of his ways of kind of just like saying like you know but like the music's gonna last forever he is a king remembering time and so you know he maybe he's not giving up on trying to get the Grammys and the Billboard you know tracks and the just the you know just the recognition bro it's not even about the fame and the claims just the recognition because i mean he got a little bit a little bit of uh light when it came to the damn that that uh might not be okay verse that he did back in like 20 uh, i don't know what that was like 2016 17 when he's like yeah might not I think I played it on there before, but when he does that, like, passionate, like, you fit the description, get out the car, like, it's a, it's a hard thing, and he did it at the BET Awards one time, and, like, it was a, it was, it was cool, but that's probably, like, the biggest he's gotten outside, because Def Jam didn't get a damn about him, and, oh, man, I, long live Crit, man, I go, go buy the album, go support the man, I'm gonna give this, you know, uh, hello more listens so I can really get my final thoughts on it so I'll come back and it's gonna be the last time I talk about it but for right now <sighs> that's uh it's a little disappointing but I know he has such a catalog that it's it makes sense bro it's like you 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 can't like those are full albums like those mixtapes because again you only really and don't listen if you're new to Big Crit because I have people that listen to me that really stop and listen to Big Crit just never listen to all my life. <laughs> That's not his album. It's a song, it's a collective of old, 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 like unfinished tracks that like a record label that he was a part of before he got signed to a major label did a cash grab before they went out of the business. Don't listen to that. It has a cheesy ass little cover, all that shit. But what you should do is go just ingratiate yourself again return of forever might be my favorite project with it's better this way being a close second for talking about mixtapes and then crit was here and then oh, that's hard i can't even say that shit because like king remember time uh yeah 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 that's tough but even the albums like Live from Underground, I used to like, like, oh, this is him. Like, this is the label trying to force him to be like commercial. But 
in his, like it shows how great he was in his attempt of making commercial tracks. Besides, yeah, that's me. We know it's a terrible song. Um, all of it really is like its high points are phenomenal. Its low points are like again. Besides, yeah, that's me. We don't talk about that. Is like this is good. It's like hey, but it's a little dated from twenty twelve, but I get it. So I love Crip. Y'all check this out, and that's it when it comes to music. So. What the profit watching? All right. This is going to be another little little segment, Eggman. And we'll get into the lighter stuff early. I haven't kept up with Servant, so I'm behind on that. So I don't have any updates on Servant. But I'll be watching that soon. Uh, nope. The trailer for Nope came out. Nope being the new Jordan Peele, the third, like, his own movie. He's had, you know, his ties, both production wise but written directed by Jordan Peele this is his third movie his latest um since us that came out in 2019 i believe yes us came out in 2019 cuz get out came out in 2017 uh man i you know it's jordan i'm 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 on board when get out is one of my favorite movies of all time even though it's no it's been it's like a song that got played out it's like it's hard to like watch it without yeah, yeah. It's, it's been so many times it's been overanalyzed all the different shit but I'll never forget how I felt first time watching that movie so it's boom again if it makes me feel something I don't always feel more than like oh that was cool like oh that was a, no it's a good time like if it makes me feel something in my gut it, it already gets a placement up there us liked it wasn't as you know didn't impact me the same way but on its own it's a fantastic film that does a good job about class and certain shit and so this time around this trailer you, you could kind of already get from the, the 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 poster of like it looked like something about some aliens like there's a cloud there's a you know some kites tying down cool and i'm People know me, I don't like watching trailers, but I feel like Jordan Peele isn't like most, he isn't going to allow like most studios and have their films be spoiled in the trailers. Like, I don't need to watch Spider-Man because I know a superhero movie, bro, like you're going to show me, like, I I don't want to watch the new Doctor Strange um, trailer because the, the trailer that I saw at the end of No Way Home was more than enough because I don't need to know that, oh, it's, it's, it's Professor X. Like, once we start getting all these leaks and shit, bro, like, quit giving me the movie away, bro. I, I get that it builds anticipation for people to go see it, but my nigga, like, I want to go into the movie and be like, oh my God, I didn't see that shit coming. Not fucking, you show me two minutes and 75 seconds of all the dope shit that's going to happen in your movie. Jordan Peele, on the hand, I trust that what he's showing is just like enticing, but it's like without context, none of that shit makes sense. And then, it's like, oh, my goodness. And so I've already kind of deep dived into it. Think about the title itself. Nope. Being an acronym for um, not from uh, not of planet Earth in OPE. And so I'm yeah, I'm already getting in, into the bag and the idea that um, the movie is probably set in the early 2000s, um, given the little details like. Daniel Kalula's character was wearing this um, Scorpion King hoodie. That could be just like a memorabilia piece. But then I've seen like he had a flip phone at one point when a little alien thing was coming around the corner. 
and the way people were dressed look a little, you know, early 2000s-ish, but we'll see. Uh, I think they might be turning, the horses may be sacrifices to the aliens, or they turn the horses into people. I don't fucking know. Uh, something's happening there. Are the, are the horses come from, are the horses turned into aliens? I don't know. Something, something like that. I'm just theorizing. And yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, July 22nd, 2022, I'm in there like a pair of tweezers and beneath her, your eyebrow. Cause man, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I just hope for the best, you know, his best foot forward. It doesn't have to be too scary. It doesn't have to be anything but just a good ass movie. And I think he's going to deliver for the third time. He, there's no sophomore slump. So I don't think um, the trimester will be a failure. Uh, following that, though, we did also. Let me see. Do I have that in there? Or do I mention? No. Yeah. We're getting to Malcolm Marie. And I'll talk about genius because I put on the devoted Patreon, but I didn't really get too much of a response either way. So I'll talk about it in depth per episode, but then I'll do a, you know, a breakdown all together at the you know end of the, the trilogy. So Malcolm Marie, I'll make this short. Malcolm Marie is a powerful movie that I really, 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 really enjoyed, but I know it's not going to be for everybody because it is a little artsy. It is a little like, it's artsy, so it does things that are, you know, it just made me really feel something. It feels something. It's it just stars um, John David Washington and Zendaya, uh, and it's just those two. Like no one else appears in the movie, and it's a really it's all black and white, and it's just the monologues that happen in those films are akin to. What's my boy name from the, the director from Hush and Hunt that Hill House and Midnight Mass. The monologues that happen in his t- at least TV series. Those type of quality monologues, not just because they're long, because they're quality happen in Malcolm Murray. That is the type of. But however, it's this black love unhealthy, healthy, real, but a bit exaggerated. Like it, it, it's a unique thing that happens there. The monologue sometimes can be a bit like, I mean, the dialogue can be a bit hit or miss at moments, but when it hits, it's so like they bounce right off each other in real time. But again, they do um, the compromise that it's art. The way they speak to each other is not how eight to nine times out of 10, any Two human beings speak to each other at all. They aren't actors. It like the the type of fucking rhetoric and ch- choice of words in their vocabulary that they use is preposterous. <laughs> like who is speaking to each other like that, especially in a heated argument? But I do believe that it's still real. It still felt very palpable you felt the tension you but you felt the and it wasn't like it's just a good watch if if you like good 
good film because it's a bit meta too. It's a bit, it's a, uh, John David Washington plays a character that is a director who him and Zendaya, they're together. They come home after his premiere and he, he comes across a bit arrogant, a bit, you know, just caring about himself. And Zendaya goes to cook him a meal. They're like, it's like late at night, it's like one in the morning and they live in a nice little home. And as this happens, there's a bit of like Zendaya is clearly fed up about something. John David Washington kind of isn't paying attention to that because he's just in his like celebratory mode. But he, he picks up on it once it's like undeniably there. And from there, they just like kind of <laughs> go down this rabbit hole of fighting and expressing love and being cathartic by just again speaking out their own like things that are bigger than just being upset with your spouse like it's really some good shit it's some, the writing is top notch definitely top notch again it's just when I say it's meta it's because there's times where John, John David Washington's just writing his like you know I'm not writing he's just spilling off about film and different things and like like this is how film like it's supposed to be and I think the way the movie Malcolm Marie is shot and like depicted it's almost like again self-aware but not in a scream and certainly not in a like parody satirical way it's just again it's like a it's a a labor of love whoever made this definitely made this because they they felt that they had a vision and that John David and Zendaya were the best two and John David it's hilarious because I don't he doesn't quite have the range that his dad has but that's not a like in a comparison way in a bad way but I mean that like he's so like his dad because he speaks just like him he's like if if he only got the cool parts from Denzel like all just the too cool for fucking life shit is John David Washington, because when he when he has to get sad, it he's a good actor, but it's the moment that it almost stops being like, like oh he's acting like like he had he had to I, 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 he had to get himself there like I like like that looked tough like I those are real tears, it's happening, I I believe it, but when he's just doing the other. Parts of being like stern but nuanced and uh, let you know letting shit fly. It's like I'm watching John David Washington just express himself, and so I think that's pretty interesting. And Zendaya, it's interesting because besides Spider Man and like the two episodes of um, Euphoria, I don't really think I've seen too much stuff with Zendaya ever. I just know that she's beautiful and you know Hollywood royalty at this point. But she she's good. She's good. Uh, I I think she fits the role perfectly. I think again, there's whoever I, uh, I let me not be disrespectful. I keep saying whoever when I have the power of the internet right here. They they made the best choices. Sorry, my phone is slow. Malcolm and Marie. Damn, yeah, got some low scores. Sam Livingston. Let's see. Ah, the white man. Mm. 
Uh, director. Let's see who is there. You know, is there who also serve as producers? Okay. Well, they, yeah, they 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 did produce it, uh, but directed by Sam Levinson. Huh. Interesting. Well. Hmm. The film received mixed reviews and credits who praised and day and Washington's performance guarantees and Levinson direct but criticized his screenplay for her performance in day was uh phenomenal for best actress. Why was why was it criticized? Uh that's interesting. Aren't always satisfactorily fulfilled, but flaws are often offset by the strong chemistry. Absolutely. Uh give the stars roughly equal time, carefully modeling the sense of balance throughout the blah blah. Sam Sam Levinson, uh, Gorgeous Mockery is a lot like the two people who lend its title their names, confident and insecure in equal measures, stuffed to the gills with big ideas, but convinced of nothing beyond its own frenzy existence and reverend of Hollywood's past at the same time as trying to stake a new claim for its future. Jesus, this is like hella meta, bro, because it's like, like the reviews that John David Washington's character Malcolm goes down a rabbit hole about is the reviews for this movie, bro. What the fuck? Well over an hour when a moment of theoretical excellence to be precise lights up in other words, pedestrian drama by a couple having a domestic, uh, awkward, hideously over overacted talkathon. No, I don't agree with that. Uh, decent quarantine capsule, Jesus. Pretentious in all the right ways, a little bit. Huh. I get why it's not for everybody and why people would criticize it, but I damn bro. <laughs> They, they didn't fuck with John David. They thought only Zendaya was worth of nominations. Yeah, so I like it a lot. I think what it did well, it did well enough to outweigh the negatives, but the, like, the negatives stop it from being something like really, really special, but there's something unique nonetheless. So that's Malcolm and Marie. And now we'll get into... The two highlight things that I watched. And that is Genius coming first. So, again, Genius. Uh, a documentary by Kudi and uh, Chike. Kudi being the main camera man for the documentary. Starring, uh, not starring, with Mr. Kanye Amari West being the subject for the documentary. It's not a a documentary about Kanye as much as Kanye is simply the subject of the documentary. I say that because it's truly uh, like a tale that you can only, you have to watch to understand because it's bigger than Kanye. It's about I think it's about destiny. It's about family. It's about purpose. Determination. Um and destiny really being a big part. So the first part of Genius, again, I won't run it down too much because I will talk about it in totality at another point. But I think it's worth mentioning that Cootie deserves all the credit in the world. And why I just continue to jump to the destiny piece is because there's, there's no reason for this man to have the... like. For him to talk about his own family the way he did at the end of the first episode and go home and then show that 
um, lineage of his dad having the big, you know, uh, video recorder, them having one as a kid. Like it was, and he was destined to do this film. He was destined to do it. And to think that he was doing the things that he was trying to do in the sense of like comedy and be seen and these different things. And he just happened to keep running the Kanye and Kanye being there. And him like, okay, no, I think Kanye got, he got something to him. Those first BET awards happen. He hears H to the Izzo. He's like, yo, Ye played. That was one of the first tracks Ye played for me. Let me, uh, nah, let, let me commit to this and I'll, I'll leave New York. Uh, I mean, I'll leave Chicago and go to New York. And we see now that the rest becomes history. And I love it. And, and I, I almost, I didn't almost cry, but like, I, I felt like I could have went down that path because it was just so, it was so powerful. It was so authentic. Um, and I, I love that Cootie had the final kind of, you know, editing say so that people can see Kanye for, for what he was through the lens of the camera, at least. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I think there's a, there's, there's again, there's something like the, you, it's the happen chance of it all that easy could have went in a different direction, which is the scariest of part of one of the scariest parts of life is that some of the most monumental gargantuan decisions that we make in our life could have easily just gone in a different direction easily been missed all you have to do is take the wrong turn all you have to do is oversleep all you have to do is not decide to do this and it changes everything but because it was already written for you it's just our job to fulfill it and I believe that's exactly what Kanye is a testimony to that's why he is like the goat to me because he said it himself like many years ago, this idea, like if you're a fan of Kanye West, you're a fan of yourself. And I get why people don't like him. Like he, this whole kind of Pete Davidson thing, <laughs> I wish he would <laughs> do it a bit differently. Um, but it comes with the territory. Like it's like, bro, as long as, bro, I, I get it. If Ye was, had a history of like abusing people, he, was notorious for stealing and don't get me started with like sexual misconduct, like rape and assault and different things that like, you know, a, a, like bro, if he was a, if he was out here harming people, not annoying people, he's a big annoyance. Yes. It's a large platform. He's a billionaire. That's an annoying person. And how can he not be inspiring to other people? And, what he's been able to accomplish. So I, I, he ain't supposed to, like, everybody ain't supposed to be for everybody in the first place. But I, I just, I do think, um, it, it was wild. Even me, my mom and I were able to connect over this documentary. Of course, there's, you know, the parallels of, like, Donda West and Kanye and me and my mom be able to connect over that. But just more so, like, her own, having her own opinions about yay and different things. And so, I, yeah, I recommend it. And I, I, I'll touch lightly on this because 
I look forward to seeing what the rest of the doc shows, but certainly the whole Kanye being like being put on by Jay-Z narrative looks a bit more interesting now that we look at, because we always, I feel like if you've followed the Rockefeller, you know, journey and Kanye's journey, you know that Dame has always been the one that kind of has held him down. And I think a lot of people misconstrued Kanye's affinity for Jay-Z as an always mutual one. Because Kanye has seemingly always unconditionally cared for Jay-Z and looked up to him. That doesn't always mean that Jay-Z's always done the same. Because this first part of the documentary looks like, you know, Jay-Z's willing to, you know, shout out Kanye, like, hey, you crazy for this one? And different things like that. But put him on the label, especially if they're height. What? Rockefeller is going nuts in 02. What? I'm not about to put, like, nigga, the blueprint just came out. What are you talking about? And so, Jay-Z didn't seem to be, even even on the chaining day in Chicago, it didn't, it still didn't seem like Jay-Z was the biggest, you know, go yay fan. And it took Dame kind of being the co-sign, and of course, Biggs, and Biggs is more behind the scenes anyway, so he wasn't like, he doesn't really, I don't think he even makes an appearance in the first part of the documentary at all. Um, and of course, we know that's part of Dame's downfall a bit. It's his arrogance. And I've started seeing people have thoughts online about, man, I wonder what it would have been like if Jay would have, I mean, if Kanye would have went with Dame. Like, no, bro. Like, why would you? Like, we got damn it, the best thing we could have ever gotten. Like, like this version of Kanye didn't fail. So why, why are you looking at what the music would sound like? It's not like Jay-Z. We don't get Watch the Throne. We don't, I don't think we get any, like, any of the post Rockefeller Jay Z contributions to Kanye's music and some verses, and you know, them what they did like in the, the throne. So I, I don't know what that weird obsession is like. Like Kanye didn't lose the relationship with Dame. Like Dame has been out to Wyoming and different things like that. Like I mean that. They obviously probably aren't at the closest, but neither is Kanye and Jay at this point. And, I mean, they're all, Dame, obviously a little bit less in stature than Jay-Z and Kanye. But if you know hip-hop, you know Dame Dash is essential to that product as much as anyone else was. It's just, again, it's a, it's a, it's a tall order to have that big of a personality. The difference with Kanye is that he is a creator. Dame necessarily wasn't a, you know, he wasn't an artist. So his ego wasn't able to be put in anything the way Kanye was able, is able to put his ego into creating music, into creating fashion. Like here, I'm talking big shit just because I want to show you I can do it. You don't believe me? All right, who? Here's, here's doing something. While if you're a big ego and you're a, a label head, you're an executive, you're a business person. All you can really do to, you know, swing your dick around really is to make more money and to grow your business. And that can come at the expense of other people because business is not for people because capitalism is cancer. Uh, but that's nonetheless. So genius part one. Can't wait for next week and the following week. Let me know if you watched it. And here is a review for Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
we're not going to bury the lead here. We're going to get straight into it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, the requel, right? The reboot sequel. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, It's a bad movie. Like a very bad movie. It's, but it's, as someone who's a fan of the series, again, fan of horror, and then a fan of particularly of Leatherface and the Texas Chainsaw IP, it's still worth watching. But please, even with like not the high, like I had high anticipation, but I didn't have the highest expectations. It still was like, bro, if I would watched this shit in theaters, I would have been. I would have been livid if I paid a dollar. I would have been mad I spent gas to go drive to see this shit. I stayed at the 2 a.m. to watch it. So even that, no, I, I wasn't tripping. Like, I was tired getting up this morning. But, oh, my goodness. Where do you start? This movie is so bad, man. It's so, like, why did they make this shit, bro? No one, no one asked them to do this. Like, yes, we want new Texas Chainsaw Massacre because you, Bro, the first one's so iconic. And then from there, the best thing we get, and it's a little bit of bias because it was like the one I grew up on, but the 2003 reboot, reboot, the reboot, the 2003 reboot, why can't I say that reboot, (laughs) with Jessica Alba is the only other good movie. I haven't seen the third one, like the original, like handful of movies. Uh, I think is that the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey. I don't, I don't remember. I'll go back and watch them just for the sake of. But Jesus Christ, bro, this is this is a series on, on unlike Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street. Like Friday Thirteenth is definitely hit or miss, but Halloween has had some bad sequels and it has some good ones. And there's a reboot. Oh, they're they're killing it, all pun intended. The original was a classic, and then 2018 was a great return. Halloween Kills. Some people don't like it for different reasons, but you can't deny it's a good movie because it does Michael a little bit different, as I talked about, but still a good movie. And I look, I can't wait for Halloween ends. This shit right here. Oh my gosh, bruh. I get it. Okay, you change the Leatherface face. You know, it's a bit different. It's a little bit more, you know, realistic. Like, if you're going to cut a man, you know, cut a person's face off. But I do miss, like, the really stitched together look. I do I do miss that. that that's the iconic Leatherface look. But I'm okay with changing it up a little bit. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But, bruh, come on, dog. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? This film wasn't even shot in Texas. It's shot in like Bulgaria or some shit. I don't know why. I have no fucking idea why. And it feels like it. It feels like it's like it could be Texas. But clearly that's a film lot. Because what the fuck is that little town that they're in? Oh, these. They got the black man with the white girlfriend in Black History Month. That she. Oh yeah, we spoiling this thing too, so don't don't even worry about it. You know, this is an isolated thought review within the isolated thoughts podcast, so don't even worry about it. We 
they, they killed the little girlfriend off. Like, bro, it made no sense. Why did she go with them to the fucking hospital with the old lady? She didn't even see what happened. There was no reason. There was no reason on God's green earth for her to go with them. She had no allegiance or obligation to go with them. Not at all. The old lady catch a, a heart attack because they telling her that she got to leave out her house because they thought they bought all the house deeds and shit, but they didn't. So they kicked this old lady out. She have a heart attack. <coughs> Sorry, I'm blessed. I'm asked, I'm a ble- I am blessed. Excuse me. I sneezed. I sneezed because I'm allergic to bullshit. And so this movie, this movie just like, bruh. Like, y'all can't, there's no way niggas is on set every day and like, yo, we are really can't make this movie, y'all. Like, we have to try harder. We have to at least write it better. If the actors are going to be, like, not the best, they at least have, like, because I actually don't think the actors are, like, bad actors as much as I think it's terrible writing. So, I think as the actors, y'all be like, yo, y'all, like, this script weak as fuck. Like, we got to do something different. This like we can't have Leatherface walk onto a bus, a party bus, an old ass like nineteen fifties get your black ass to the back party bus that they turned into one. Walk on that motherfucker with a chainsaw and have fifteen people raise their cell phones up to his face and be like. If you try anything, bro, we're going to cancel you and put it on Instagram live. Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? What are we talking about? Who greenlit that shit? Who was like, yo, this is the this is the one. Like, I'm whip taking risks. I'm with like, okay, that was a little corny. Um, you feel me? There, we all have a little room. I like popcorn. So you don't think I got a little room for a little corn in my life? I'm okay. I'm not a prude. Make things be a little not serious. It's okay to laugh and giggle a little. But don't you fucking laugh in my face like that. Don't you ever, ever fucking make Michael Myers walk into a rave. And then be like, oh, bro, take the mask off, bro. What you gonna do, bro? Oh, don't stab me, mister. Even the kill scenes on the bus was like, I'll say that's probably the most redeeming part. When when Leatherface gets to killing, oh, yeah, hey, hey, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. The, like, the gore is worth it. The, the bus scene, I would say, actually, is probably one of the weakest, though. Because it was such a kill pin. Like, I don't like that. I don't, like, make the, make the, uh, you know, make the, the killer, make the villain do his thing. And I don't even think a villain really works in slasher films because they're more of the subject. So, yeah, make the, the killer earn the kill. I mean, there's going to be some stupid, you know, dumb teen things that can happen. But, no, I don't, that's, that's cheating. Like, that's never been a part of a slasher movie where, the slasher just walks into a, a house of people. Like, it's the idea of picking people off. That's what makes it, that's what originally made slasher movies scary. was the idea they can be picked off one by one. And they do that throughout the film. But that bus scene was just so, it, the, like, the doo-doo icing on the cake is the whole raising the camera phones up and being like, we're going to cancel you, bro, if you try anything. B- 
because the the terrible cake of it was the idea that it was just gonna be oh this cool blood fest like just like they can't escape the windows that clearly are easy to be opened. No one tries to overpower this man. Like sure, a couple of people probably gonna get some arms missing, but y'all could have y'all could bro. I'm telling you, there's 15 grown adults on that bus, bro. There's no way that y'all don't try to do nothing to that dude. He was big, but y'all was trying to. What were y'all trying to escape? Y'all just slapped. Like it was just so stupid. Like don't don't insult me by making things so illogical that you want again i'm all here for sus- suspension of disbelief like okay like hey all right i'm already go around but you can't be that like bro what what am i supposed to hang on like what am i supposed to hang my disbelief I'm like okay like yeah I, I have to be able to put it somewhere I'm like oh okay if we're talking about you know if wizards are real then hey Hogwarts might be a place like you might be able to walk through a wall and go to Hogwarts. I can do my suspension of disbelief there because the world's so grand and detailed. Okay, there's a train station somewhere in England. Okay, I got it. This shit is nasty. They drive around this Tesla that they didn't have the rights to, or they don't want to, you know, pay whatever, or you know, give advertising to Tesla, so they put a fake grill on the front and then. I swear to God, they put like a white tape over the Tesla. Like it, it was some cheap thing they put over the Tesla uh, logo in the car. But clearly, if you ever have seen a Tesla, you know what the Tesla looks like. Oh my God, bro! They need their ass whooped for that movie. I'm telling you right now, they need their ass whooped. There, there's no reason for that movie to have come out like that. Um, I, as a fan, I am. Chris Thomas, Chris Thomas Devlin, Fidi Alvarez, Rodo Saguis. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your names because that's like, just because you disrespect this franchise. I mean, I just you know disrespect your names. I just you know going by directed by David Garcia. Um, yeah, Legendary Pictures. Need their ass whooped. I can't say it's Netflix fault. I think they sold it to Netflix, and Netflix is like, all right. Like, there's a reason why Netflix didn't really advertise that this motherfucking film was coming out. Oh my god. Uh, like why? Like, just, just why not just make a better film? And they're setting it up for like, I mean. It's getting bad reviews. Like it's already just just came out, and the reviews are like forty three on Metacritic, a fifty on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it isn't looking great right now. I think it's like maybe a, it might have been maybe at a, a five or six on IMDb. Like it's not looking great, but they definitely set it up for a sequel, which I wouldn't be mad. You know what? I'm I'm a madman. Give me another one, but I just want you to know that you need a whooping for making this one. Okay, so. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 is doo-doo. <laughs> but if you're a fan of horror, and certainly if you're a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre series and franchise, don't give up and not watch. Like, you know you're going to watch it anyway. If you're a fan, if you really care about the genre of horror and you care about, you know, what Leatherface means to the slasher, like, you're going you're gonna to tune in. But just don't go into this. Like, I mean, I feel like if you are a fan as well, you know that Leatherface has gotten a short end of the stick anyway. So just know that it's even worse than what you think it is. <laughs> On that note, 
I got some food for thought. We're going to get you up out of here. My food for thought for y'all is real simple. Real simple. Whatever you create, whatever you create, let it be personal and let it be from the heart. Let it be yours. I get that because, of course, I'm inspired through genius. Um, I'm inspired even through the failure. I won't say failure because, you know, uh, I'll say failure. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre that I just went on about. This idea when you see things that are inauthentic, when I think about Malcolm Marie, when I think about things that land really well, think about Jordan Peele, I think about things that are inspiring. What's inspiring time and time again Regardless of even if it's if fits your palate or not, you can tell when it means something. When it means something, it does something. It that's why I, I rave about the crits. I rave about the yays. Like you don't have to like it, but you cannot deny the inauthenticity. Because the moment that you try to say that it isn't authentic and it's something else, you're masquerading around with a mask of insecurity and uncomfortability that should be tended to and be healed so that you can see because when you see and value your authentic self you'll be able to see in other places because ultimately again we're all connected we're all just trying to express ourselves because that's the beauty of life is finding ways to share that thought that image that vision that exists in your head and you feel it only exists in your head and for some of us, there may be a few intricate things. I'm not some of us, all of us. There's a, there's a few and unique things that exist that really do only take place in our head and our vision. And so we find ways to express ourselves, to be cathartic, to release, to sing a song, to dance, to write, to paint, to sculpt, to build, to display, to whatever it may be that you may be creating Teach it, preach it, leave it, bop it, twist it, whatever it may be. Again, just make sure it comes from the heart. So I know sometimes, especially when we tie art with um, making a living and these different things, it can get real hard not to say, hey, yo, I need to I need to eat. So if I bet my I'm betting on myself to make it via creating things, what's hot and what's happening right now, let me sing it this way, let me try to fit into this role, let me do whatever it may be, and every time, because when your art when your art suffers, emphasis on your art suffers you suffer and it means not not the reception, right you can put out to Pimper Butterfly and no one think much about it, but if it's still objectively to Pimper Butterfly as a product as, as an end result as the process that got you there, it's still a success. It's still the magnum opus that it is. Other people's validation don't mean that you don't get like like it's still not you're not vindicated. And where my faith comes into play, the rabbit hole, is that there's no way that you again have that same passion and soul to create something as if we keep on with the the pimple butterfly um analogy that you don't get that type of acclaim at the same time because you can't deny real shit while I talk about crit not getting the flowers they deserves digital roses don't die and again I know that like I know that he 
had like I know that he has the support and people around him that give him praise that I know that he knows he's loved and cared and has made an impact on so many people's lives. I just would want him to have a larger platform, but that's me projecting that onto him. You know, what's for him is what's for him, same way it is for us individually. And so, again, whatever it is that you create, whatever it is that, that you do, that you produce, that you contribute to the world from you, make sure it's from the heart and make sure it's personal. There's a great GQ article um, that suggests reading by Francis Fork uh, Coppola, Coppola. I'm sorry, I pronounced the last name. The director of The Godfathers and all that, the you know, legendary man. <laughs> um, he has this movie he's been trying to make called Megalopolis. It's not like Metropolis, like Megalopolis. <laughs> and it's like 40 years in the making. And pretty much he just talked about, because there, there was an excerpt that went floating around about his criticism about the Marvel films and how it's impacted Hollywood today and that Everyone has to make movies just like Marvel films, even if they're not Marvel films. And he only talked about it for like three sentences. And then it's like a 25 minute read of him just talking about like losing his son, like against a real heartfelt, but inspiring read. And he talks about like always create things which are like make it personal, like always like whatever you do, make it personal and that's why he feels good about this movie that he's been trying to make for decades. That the more that he makes it himself, he knows it's going to be hard to get funded by a studio. He's like, they wouldn't even try to fund my shit when I was the godfather. When I, when I He's like, I'm going to talk my shit. Like, I, I, when I made the best shit since sliced bread, even then they were still looking at me like, mm, uh, yeah, you know, Hollywood want to do sequels. And, you know, existing IPs, they, they, they're scared to take risk. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I just know that's part of our purpose. Because, again, we're, we're all we're all creators. Don't let the consumptionary way we look at artists be um, limited in how you view yourself. You all have something to contribute to this world. And thank you for taking your time to invest in monetarily and most importantly with your time your most important asset with my contribution to this world at least one of mine so on that note we're gonna get up out of here we're gonna play this crit this is uh, again all the time because that's all the <laughs> that's a perfect way to say what how i think about y'all and how i love y'all that's all the time this is big crit all the time digital roses don't die my name is langston mayo until next time, one. Listen.
slide. With chrome on the ties, pink in the rain, put the screens in the visor. Banging the trunk like the trunk could be louder. Candy painted like a Willy Wonka rapper. Taylor made the suit so Dan ain't even dapper. Play it with my statue. Stepping out, stepping out, clean on him. Had a horizontal kind of lean on him. While I'm screwed up, do the double double cut too. Top bit down, but the AC blue on a hot summer day. When the freeze out the play, let the bay pay it away. Cause the kid coming through. But coming down ain't quite all it seems. That cause on lurk in the lost hunting. I'ma tell you about the energy I'm beat. Popped up twice when I find a queen. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 